Hey friends, welcome to the Radical Radiance Podcast. I am your host, Rebecca George, and I'm so thrilled to be with you today for another special episode with my new friend, J.L. Gerdhart. She is the author of Look to Love. This is her seventh book. We get to talk writing, we get to talk about God's Word, and how reading it makes us fall more in love with Him. And I just think you're going to really love this conversation. But before we get to it, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Shine Bright Journal. The Shine Bright Journal is a free 100-page downloadable resource that you can go grab today at RadicalRadiance.live. It walks you through a lot of the things that we talk about around here, what it looks like to radiate the heart of Jesus and all that we do. So I just think you'll really love it. And I hope you go grab it today at RadicalRadiance.live. Now, help me welcome our new friend, JL, to the show. Jail, I'm so excited to have you today. Thank you for joining me. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. This is going to be so fun. I um, have been looking forward to this conversation for some time. And when I was preparing the other day, I was noticing this is your seventh book, right? That we get to chat about today. Is that right? It is. Mm Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So I'm writing my first one right now. Oh, exciting. It's a whole thing that we don't have time to go into, but yes, <laughs> it is very exciting. I turn it in in March and I'm kind of in that like third lap of the mile right now where I've written it, but now it's making, taking the words from good to great, right? Yes. <laughs> so, yes. so you get that. So I'm curious before we jump into the book, what do you know the seventh time around about book writing that you totally did not know as a first time author that you would want to share? Well, I think more and more I'm learning that that the books are about the readers. They're not about me. Yeah. They're about them. Yeah. And that I write them to serve them. Um, you know, I think that first book you get so excited and like I always wanted to write a book. And uh, so there's just yeah. a lot of a lot of me in that first process. And, um, you know, it was about what I wanted to say. And, and in now, I mean, with every book, it's gotten less and less about what I want to say and more and more about what my readers need. And, and it's mm-hmm. more for me about pastoring them and taking care of them and thinking about their daily lives and thinking, what am I going to say today that they're going to read on a Tuesday morning? And it's going to mm-hmm. do something to really shape Uh, the way they see God and the way they interact with him and the way they love him. And so that's definitely been more and more and more what it is for me. When you write that first book, your writers like aren't there with you as much, but by the time you're at the seventh, they're talking back to you and you're getting emails from them and you guys are a community. Uh And, uh, and so I, I love that part. I think that's been a surprise is just how, how in communication we all are. Uh, and so I just feel like I'm sitting down with them when I write. And that's a yeah. joy. I love that. Oh, I love that. That's so fun. And there's elements of that that I understand as a podcaster. Like the longer yeah. the longer you podcast, you, you see books and you see people out in the world and you think, okay, that conversation would really land well with my people. Or, you know, that book would really mean a lot to my people. Yes. And so it's interesting how I've, I feel like I'm, I'm starting to stand a little more firmly on that ground in terms of podcasting. And I look forward to that day when I can say the same about writing. So, so fun. Well, I am. Well, thanks friend. I, I am too. It's, it it is true. It's kind of like that first book as much as, you know, you can check all the boxes and we, we want to, to write what's best for the reader and all those things. It is kind of the dream realized, right? Like I, I, 
have dreamt about this my whole life. And so it is fun to to get to finally yeah, you've been that carrying door, so it inside you, you know, like a baby. God's been growing yeah. it in you for a long, long time. Yeah. And to finally get to share it with everybody is just wonderful. Yeah. I know. I'm so excited. So Look to Love is your newest release that we get to chat about today. And I'm curious. So it talks about how to read the Bible to fall in love with God along the way. I love that. And I and I want to hear more about where did that come from for you and why did you feel so passionate about it? Well, it's kind of a merger of two things. Um, one is Bible reading is kind of my jam. That's my spiritual gift. It's the place where I feel closest to God. Um, it's the place where I feel the most gifting from Him and the most confidence. I love a book. I was an English professor. Yeah. For, for a long time. I love to read and I just encounter God most powerfully when I'm there in a book. But I know that's not the way it is for everybody. Um, and so for a long time, I felt a responsibility to use that to bless other people and to help other people learn to read. Like, you know, I love to teach yeah. in college kids how to read Tolstoy. And in the same way, I love teaching men and women how to read the Bible. Um, but mm. this really came out of, so I, I had that element. Um, I had that thing that I cared so much about, but really this book grew out of me noticing. So I've been a preacher's wife for 20 years. Uh, I've been Ooh, in ministry. I've been a, I've been a preacher's wife for two. Have so you? that's a whole okay. nother conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was for a long, long time. And then too, I was on staff at a church, uh, for the last six years. And, and plus I go around and speak and talk to women. And I feel like I've got my finger on the pulse of the church in a really up close and unique way. And it's been such a privilege sometimes because I get to see the best things that are going on in, in God's family. And then sometimes it's, yeah. it's a burden because you see some of the hardest things that yeah. are going on in God's family. But what I was starting to notice was that I saw lots of people who wanted to be good and lots of people trying to do the right thing and, you know, be a good mm. mom, be a good parent, be a good Christian, whatever that meant. But I was running into fewer and fewer people who seemed to really love God. And yeah. I thought, you know, I think these people want to love God. Um, if they read the command, you know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, I, they all feel this compunction. They feel like that's a challenge. They'd love to love God that way. But fewer and fewer people did. And mm. I was thinking, what would it look like to help people fall in love with God? What does it take? Mm. What is that thing that, that could just help it click for them? So that, because mm -hmm. I am just convinced and I say in the book, like, I think the reason God gives us this first and greatest command isn't just because this is the command he cares most about. I think it's the command that unlocks the Christian life for us. That when yeah. we can love God with our whole self, it makes everything else easier. It makes everything else a joy and a privilege instead of an obligation. And so this is yeah. so important because it's the thing that's going to make the Christian life abundant life. Mm. And it's why so many people are tired and worn out because they're trying to do the Christian life before they have this love for God, this love for Christ. Yeah. Uh, and that, that was just backward. It's never been the way it's supposed to be. And so I wanted to help people fall in love with God. And I stumbled mm. across this uh, article in the New York Times Modern Love column. And it was called How to Fall in Love, How to Fall in Love with Anyone, I think. And it was about a scientific study that had been done on how to make people fall in love. And this psychiatrist had 
felt like he had come upon a surefire way to make any two heterosexual people who were open to love fall in love with one another. And it was what he did is he would bring each one, these strangers, into a room. He would sit them across from one another and he would have them ask each other questions, increasingly intimate questions. It was just 36 questions, mm -hmm. usually took about 45 minutes to an hour. And at the end of that time, he would have them, and this is just the, the tricky and hilarious part, he would have them stare at one another for four minutes. You couldn't look away. Mm. You had to look in the other person's eyes. Well, this study, within, uh, within eight months, they had their first wedding. It was actually very effective at causing people to fall yeah. in love. And the article I'd read in, in the New York Times, it was by a lady who had tried it uh, with this guy she just met out at a bar. And they were now married. And um, yeah. she was saying, what is it that works? What's the point here? What, what's effective? And it was that in these questions and in this answering and then at the staring, really it was just about looking at one another, really taking yeah. a moment to pay attention to another human being, to listen to who they were, to receive that, and then to let someone else see you, right? To be open and to let yeah. someone see you. And in seeing someone, like really truly seeing them, it's so much easier to just fall in love. And I yeah. thought, what would this look like with God? And immediately I was like, man, the 36 questions, that's the Bible for God. It's God being mm -hmm. completely open and vulnerable about himself. It's him saying, hey, here are the people I've loved before. Here are the people who broke my heart. Here are the things that yeah. um, matter to me. Here are the things that make me angry. Here are the times I've cried. Um, and so when you read scripture that way and you start saying, I, I just want to see God here. What's he up to? Who is he? What's going on in his heart, and his mind in each of these moments? I think it dramatically changes the way we read scripture and it enables us I think to fall in love with God as, as being, as person, um, as father, yeah. as king, um, it helps us to see him and not just to see a book of rules, a book of expectations, a story that's unrelated to us. Um, I don't think that's ever what it was supposed to be. I think it was just God yeah. revealing his heart. Hey friends, quick break in this conversation to remind you of something. If you are loving the show, you're loving the conversations we're having, it would mean the absolute world to me if you would leave a rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts for Radical Radiance. When that happens, when more of those happen, the show gets put in front of more women and in turn, it allows them the opportunity to take part in conversations that will show them more about what it looks like to radiate the heart of Jesus. And I can't think of anything better than that. So it would mean the world to me if you would take just two minutes of your time and leave a rating and a written review. I'd love to hear what you think. Now, let's get back to the conversation. Yeah, that's so good. And a couple things come to mind when you are talking about, you know, our command of loving God and, and loving one another. I think so many times we settle or it just looking like we love God, mm -hmm. right? Because we live our lives online and we live our highlight reels online. And mm -hmm. I think so many times we forget that God knows our hearts. And although other people might see evidence that, oh yeah, they, they you know, are a believer. Oh yeah, they, they love God. Mm -hmm. Just because their life appears to look that way. Um, we, we're settling so often, right? 
yes. because, um, and I, and I know even for me, and I'm sure it was the same case for you, especially as a, as a ministry leader, pastor's wife, all, all the hats that, you know, we sometimes wear, it can be mm-hmm. so easy to prepare for a small group or read a book in preparation for a podcast interview and, and totally miss actually being with God. Yes. Right. Because we're doing the work of the ministry. Right. And yes. I think we do that so often and, and it all comes back to like, we're totally missing him. Right. Yes. And even in reading scripture so often we will, and, and I'm, chief of sinners of this many times, I will go to scripture reading it to learn like, okay, well, what can I learn about me? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, what can I learn about myself? And how can I take steps, you know, mm-hmm. um, e- even with good intentions, like where, yes. you know, where does God want to transform me, etc. rather than, okay, God, let me open your word and ask you, what do you want me to know about you today? Mm-hmm. And how and how in knowing that, that changes me. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. You know, we do this. I think we get this in our relationships, like with my husband, um, you know, like we'll be out on a date and I'll be trying to get a great yeah. picture of us on our date. And it's just annoying the tar out of him. Oh, totally. <laughs> and and yeah. I'm like, I've blown the first 10 minutes of the date just trying to get him yeah. to pose the way I want him to pose in the picture. Right. It's ridiculous. Or I like spend the whole date, like trying, is he going to notice that I'm wearing a new dress or is he going to ask me about what happened at work yeah. or right. And I'm just self-interested in that moment. And I ruin this opportunity to just be with him. Because I'm so yep. concerned about him being with me or about how it appears, right? Getting a good picture of the day mm-hmm. or did we do something fun that I can talk about or share about? Or I think we get this inter- yeah. interpersonally, but we sometimes yeah. miss it with him. It's just not on our radar. We don't see. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. One thing that fascinates me about your life is how much you travel. <laughs> and I, I'm so excited to talk about that. And I'm curious, so tell tell people a little bit more about that and how that's just such a big part of your story. And then I'm curious just to learn more about like what has travel, what has traveling the globe taught your family about the church? Well, I've always been, uh, my husband, I've always loved to travel, but he's always been on staff at a church. I've always been on staff at a church. We can't even travel at Christmas, right? And so uh, we've always right. been very, very located. Well, in the last year, uh, God's called my husband into a new work where he's completely location independent. And for the first time, I'm completely location independent. And we looked at one another and we said, you know, what would it be like to go and just explore the world and see what God's up to? Um, And so we actually pulled our kids out of middle school and we have been slowly moving our way around the world. And we start, and we started this, by the way, during COVID, which was crazy. Uh, wow! Like not the time that you would think to do it, but it's actually worked out great because all the places are cheap because people can't rent them because yeah. of COVID. <laughs> but we started out in England. Uh, we've been in Croatia and Ireland and Northern Ireland, and we're headed to Portugal next, and and hopefully South Africa. I don't know with everything so going cool. on, but if we can get in, uh, but we've loved it, and. So much of what we've been learning, I think, as we've gone, we've learned a whole lot about depending on God. I think there's a pilgrimage is a huge theme in scripture. 
And yet so few of us find ourselves as pilgrims, like with really no home and you're moving from home to home. You're completely dependent on other people and other communities to take care of you. Um, You are meeting new people in God's kingdom all the time. I think it's, it's a great practice that I wish more people would try because what we're learning both is how to depend on God. That's a huge part of this season, but two, just that God is everywhere. And when we show up in these churches all over the world and we try to just go to whatever church we go to first. So this is no American like shopping for five weeks to pick your church. Yeah. Um, we just kind of, you know, usually there's not very many um, Protestant churches yeah. in the towns where we show up in. So we just go to the first one we go to and we go there for as long as we're in the city. And it's been magic. It's been so fun to That's get so to meet cool. these Christians all over the place, worshiping in completely different ways and totally different accents. Um, yeah. And and everywhere, just seeing that God is moving. And I think people just need to hear that right now. I just want to say to everybody who's freaking out about the church dying, it's not. Uh, it is alive and well. And God's spirit is flourishing all over the place, even in places where we, we think of po- as post-Christian, um, like Derry, yeah. Ir- Derry, Northern Ireland. Um, we think of that place as a place where, oh, they don't. But yet there are communities there of people who are full of the spirit, who are passionately following Jesus. And that's just mm. so encouraging to know. Yeah. Yeah, that encourages my heart so much. Man, I love that. So before we um, get to my favorite part of every every episode, and I'm so excited to ask you that question, I want to talk about, you know, if somebody is coming to this conversation today and they just say, Rebecca, JL, I feel like my time with God lately has grown really cold or stale or, yeah, I'm raising my hand in agreement that I am going to God's word just to learn about myself. And I just, I want to take steps forward, but I don't know what that looks like. How would you want to encourage them today? I think maybe first let's start with, there's no shame in wherever you are. Um, I think so many times we let the guilt of where we've ended up uh, keep us from ever coming back. And that's the worst. Every time you come home, God throws a party. And that has taken me forever to learn that any Mm. moment I take a step back toward him, he's happy. Because I just think he's got to be like waiting to spank me or something. Like I'm this child, right? Who's going to come confess something. And he's not. Every time you turn back toward God, he is waiting for you with joy and happiness. And so knowing that, knowing that God's eager that there's no shame in whatever, in, in taking that first step back toward him, I think it's a big help. Two, I'd say, you know, so so often when we find ourselves feeling kind of empty or dead, um, we, we don't pray for, we don't necessarily pray that God would soften our heart. Like we think we've got to get there. We've got to make our way back home before we can start praying. And I think you always want to start praying way far back, wherever you are exactly as you are. So let yeah. God know exactly where you are. Tell him, ask him like to fill you, ask him to bring you back to life and ask him for eyes to see, eyes to see him. God, just let mm-hmm. me see you. I know you've got to be here. I don't feel like you are. Give me eyes to see you. And that's been one of my big prayers my whole life. And the more I pray it, the more I see him. And then as you turn to scripture, I really think just asking this singular question, who are you, God, um, is for me one of the most nourishing for our relationship. When I'm just curious about him, 
And I'll say, you know, I can even say to him, hey, I think you might be unsafe. I think you might be dangerous. And sometimes when I'm near you, I get scared because I feel like you're unpredictable or I feel like maybe you're going to hurt me. Just telling him that and then saying, hey, let me help me see you more clearly in scripture. So often I find he will just faithfully answer that prayer and reorient me, take me right to what I need to see. Um, So I'd say that when you come to scripture, just ask that question. Who are you, God? Help me see you. Give me eyes to see you here in this passage. Mm, That's so good. So, so good. Okay, so the podcast is called Radical Radiance, and our heart around here really is to have conversations and create resources that help women see more of what it looks like to radiate the heart of Jesus in our life, our work, our marriages, our friendships, all the things. And so God really led me in this direction and used um, this verse in Psalm 34, it's verse five, and it says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces are never covered in shame. I just, I love that verse so much. So the question that I love asking right now is what about Jesus makes you radiant? I love this. Um, I'm obsessed with that passage where Moses, when he gets close to God, glows. <gasps> Right? Yes. I'm just yes. obsessed with it. I think it's so magic. I think I was reading recently um, about Adam and Eve, and there are some rabbis who believe that they weren't naked in the garden, that they were clothed in God's light because they were like mm-hmm. Moses in this constant position of radiating back to God what he had right shown on them. Yeah. Um, so I think about this all the time, and I will tell you that passages that make me feel like most radiant. Um, I think of like Romans 8, right? That says that we're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ. And I think that is something God's done in me. Um, That when I walk into a room and I tell my girls this, I say, you ought to have holy swagger. Um, That there's just so good. You know, it's just a, a confidence that you carry because you're more than conquerors through Jesus Christ, because there really is nothing that a person in that room can do to you to take away the two things that matter most, your identity and your destiny, right? Those are yours. They're given to you by Jesus Christ and no one can take them away. And I'm starting to see that in them, um, that they just, they're these kids who are so alive because they know Mm -hmm. they can't fail in some, in those two categories. Um, And it's just beautiful to watch. And I've had people come up to me before, and I think I think most of us who've been living in Christ for a long time, you have moments like this where people have come up to me and said, there's just a light around you. And they're often mm-hmm. in the moments when I'm most confidently doing what God has made me to do. Like that just yeah. shines. And when I hold back, or I am afraid, or I don't walk fully in what God's asked me to do, I can just feel that light dimming. But when Mm. I step up and I own that identity as more than a conqueror, and I walk in like, I can't go wrong here if I'm walking in what God has for me, then I I think there really is a light uh, that's inspiring to the people around me um, that, that connects them to him. That enables, you know, it's like it's like the moon, right? It's we, it's not our radiance; it's His that's coming yeah. off of us, uh, and it blesses everybody around us. So, um, yeah. So I think that I'm going to go with holy swagger uh, being the, I the thing. Love that. <laughs> Okay, that's a new term, and I'm so here for it. And I always, one of the things I always say about radiance is radiance is not the goal; it's the byproduct. 
So we look at that verse, those who look to him are radiant. It's not something, and to a striver, achiever, personality, this encourages my heart so much. It's not something that we're clawing away at. It's not something that we're striving for. It is what happens in us when we are with him. And I just, and man, the more you're with them, the more you realize that that's the win. You, it's hard to understand, I think, before you've done it. But the more time you spend with him, you realize that's, I mean, that's why David is obsessed in Psalm 27. He's like, this is what I want for my whole life is just to dwell in God's presence and to stay because that's the best thing. Yeah. So good. And I heard somebody ask, I think it was Jess Conley. I was listening to a podcast not that long ago and they asked her to define beauty. Hmm. Like what is, what is beauty to you? And to, to your point of people noticing radiance in you when you're most fully walking in what God's called you to do. She said, I think the most beautiful thing to me is when I see women just fully doing that, fully yeah. stepping into what God's called them to do, using their gifts and talents for the glory of God. Like when I see a woman as an act of worship doing that, that's beautiful to me, you know? Yes. And I just, when I heard her say that, I was like, man, that is the most, the best, I don't know, definition of that I've ever heard. I love it. So. Yes. Yes. So good. Okay. I want you to share with everybody, how can they go grab the book? Where can they find you? All the things. Well, the book's on Amazon. It's Look to Love, um, J.L. Gerhardt. And you can find me at jlgerhardt.com or follow me on Instagram. If you follow me on Instagram, you get to see pictures of, cool places all over the world. I know. So fun. Okay. Well, this is great. I can't wait for my people to meet you. I can't wait for them to grab Look to Love. And I'm just so grateful that you'd be with me today. Thanks so much, friend. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. It was my joy. I hope you loved that conversation as much as I did. And I hope you'll go grab a copy of Look to Love today. I cannot wait to be back with you next episode with Tish Oxenrider. We get to talk all about Lent and her new book that comes out. And I just, I think you're really going to love it. So join me next time as we sit down with Tish 